Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us here on this wonderful Monday afternoon. We're live here on WYSL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Of course, we're live online, too. Leave your comments there. We're streaming on the Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, Free Solution group, and the Kevin Wilson page and Twitter account. Wherever you're listening today, appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate y'all being part of the discussion. Got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Um, and as some of you may have seen on the uh, on our Sunday show, Tim and I ended up not doing a Thursday show. We did a Sunday online-only show. We talked to, about... A couple of these issues, but didn't really dive into them. The the new footage that came out of the Uvalde, um, Texas school shooting, and more details about what happened there, um, and then a few other things as well. The the incident with uh, the Rochester police officer, or uh, uh, yeah, Rochester police, uh, I think investigator and the uh, the EMT here uh, talking about that. There's also an incident in Denver, and then uh, an incident where a good guy with a gun was able to stop what could have been a very serious mass shooting. Uh, and so tying that all together is again, it's, it's again, going back to that, that whole concept of who's responsible for your self-defense and is the state the only one who can provide that security? And what does that look like again? Uh, so going back to the, the, the Texas situation in, in Uvalde, that more footage come out. And again, it's, if you, if you haven't seen, some of the stuff, or at least seen the summaries of this stuff, uh, you know, pictures of dudes just like standing in the hallway, police officers with body armor, with sometimes long rifles, sometimes, you know, handguns out, uh, standing around 77 minutes of standing around, not resolving the situation, confusion on the ground. There were over 400 police officers. And that's including Border Patrol folks and other folks who came to the scene there at the school that day. And it still took so long for them to stop that gunman. Again, while children were still dying, while many of them were bleeding to death in the classroom, they dithered. It's it's the most profound, disgusting, cowardice I think most of us have seen in a long time. Again, the, the folks who are supposed to be charged with jumping into dang- dangerous situations, the reason why we give uh, the state, the reason why we give police the monopoly on violence is because in the situations that are supposed to be beyond uh, the either responsibility or sometimes even the, the, the legal liability of citizens to be able to respond to a situation like this, we are supposed to be able to, in theory, turn to police to protect us, to protect children in a school. And what happened instead was what we saw here. And again, the the more that comes out, the worse it seems to get. 
it, it, not just because of like the cowardice of the situation itself, which is pretty bad in its own right, but also like the the cowardly cover up of like local officials in there too. Like they like they literally prepared a narrative document talking about what great heroes these police officers were and how many lives they had saved in that situation. Like no, like it, your job, like they were there to go and stop the shooter and to save the the lives of the children who were injured too. And instead. They just were not able to get it done for, for just a whole bunch of reasons. You know, confusion about who is in charge of the situation, you know, uh, running away from, from the, the shooter at times too. Like they, you could see they, they had the, the, the images released of the gunman going into the school and police officers falling in a couple minutes later and then retreating and then taking just, just forever, just an excruciating amount of time to even get close to that situation again. And... You know, the, the, the parents did, except for, you know, situations where they're, they're literally holding people back who want to go and do something about it. Like one, of, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's just so awful to see that situation. Uh, and in, for many folks shattering the narrative of like, who is, who's really going to come to your aid? Who's going to respond when you're expecting the state to protect you. And again, police are, are armed agents of the state. That's what they're charged with doing. Although, again, keep in mind, there's the uh, in the uh, the Castle Rock case that police officers do not have to protect. They have no legal obligation to endanger themselves. They have no legal obligation to even enforce the law if they don't want to. Like, that's... That's the sad reality. And again, if, if you don't remember what that was, there, there's a case where a woman had a restraining order against um, uh, the father of her children and the children were taken by that guy. And she called this the police department, her local police department, where she had the restraining order filed and uh, tried to get them to enforce that. They refused to. She called many, many times. And the situation ended up with the, the children dead at the the hands of the man who had taken them and and in a shootout with police now if they had just enforced the restraining order when they were supposed to those those kids might have been alive and instead when she took them to court over this the the court said the supreme court said no they have no obligation to to an actually enforce the law they have no obligation to protect her and that's been upheld over and over and over again is that there is no obligation for police officers to intervene even if they are witnessing you being killed even if they made the promise through something like a restraining order to intervene in that situation they don't have to they have discretion in that so likely there will be no legal uh or civil liability in the case of the uvalde uh, police department. I don't know. Like maybe who knows what will end up happening. Maybe this will be a catalyst for change. But there's a chance that no one's going to really be held accountable, other than maybe some leadership on on that police department will get fired. Maybe they'll kick out that mayor. I mean, it, it's it's wild that in in Texas of all places, the, they they haven't wanted to like run these guys out on a rail. Like after seeing the the videos and hearing what they did and didn't do in this situation it's I, I don't know why people aren't freaking out more um 
And I mean, and playing people are people, people are upset, people are outraged and people in that town specifically what they've done. Like they also did the crazy stuff like the, the town uh, tore apart a memorial and threw away all the stuff that parents had built for the kids who were who were killed at the school. They tore apart a memorial without telling anyone, without just, just took all the stuff and threw it away like wild. Like like and then they really, you know, had no plans to release this stuff. The only reason that these videos got out in the first place, right, is this, someone had leaked it to uh, the someone had leaked it to the uh, uh, one of the newspapers down there, one of the Austin newspapers, and and uh, that's why like the first set of videos got released, and then the mayor, under political pressure, to provide some level of transparency after doing his darndest not to. He ended up releasing some of this other body cam footage that we saw come out yesterday. And he's like, oh, we just wanted to show the families it first. And he said it was the most chicken thing he had ever seen to have someone release the video to the, the media last week. It's like, bro, you did you watch those videos? Because that's the most chicken thing anyone's ever seen is is that the stuff going on in the video. Like, gosh, he did the cop looking at the uh, on a, a, the Punisher logo as the screen uh uh, lock screen on his phone while like doing absolutely nothing to to help those kids like oh man that's infuriating to me and and again to, to most folks and i'm going over all this stuff with, with a larger point right it's not it's not just to, to bash this this police department uh in particular although boy howdy if anyone ever deserved it it's these these folks like every one of them should be fired just just all of them just can them all like i i don't know how this town is not doing that already uh you got 400 police in a situation and, and that's so because like whenever anyone says that don't if you, if you call in and say, say oh we, we just need more police in that situation they have 400 cops on scene 400 didn't stop this let it go on for such a long time it's not the situation is doesn't require more cops if that's how they're going to act like it doesn't matter if they're if they're not going to act to stop a threat to children if they're not able to do that then what's the point why have all those people why have you know their their specialized SWAT team that, that eats up a bunch of money what, what what are we even doing here and that's a question that we we ought to be asking our local government is this is the investment in in the militarization of police uh worth it if they're not prepared to act in the situations that they are supposed to be set up for. Again, I, I, I understand folks want to, you know, the people who are in those tough life or death situations, you know, sometimes make the wrong decisions. But this is just hundreds of hundreds of people not doing anything. Absolutely bonkers. So when we come back, though, then we'll, we'll talk about I'll kind of wrap up this. I'll talk about a local situation. I'll talk about this other situation in Denver. And then we'll talk about, uh, you know, what happens when private citizens are there and able to intervene quickly. Uh, Thanks again for joining us. Give us a call if you want to participate in the discussion. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon.
Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Hey, this is Kevin Wilson, host of A Free Solution. You ever need a tool for just one project? but didn't want to spend the cash for something you'd use just once or twice? Well, there's a new tool library in Rochester where you can borrow just the thing you need instead of buying a new one. It's called the Tool Shed from the Southeast Area Coalition, and membership starts at just $25 a year. Use it for home projects or to support your business. Learn more and become a member at seektoolshed.org. That's S-E-A-C toolshed.org. As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, things that we couldn't afford, thanks to VetTix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can give our veterans a special event where they, too, can create their own cherished memories. Visit VetTix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. Available in the WISL store at WISL1040.com. Official top quality tees, hoodies, and coffee mugs depicting the colorful WISL logo or the already famous Mount Worstmore line of merch depicting Mount Rushmore style are for worst presidents. Of course, you know who is front and center up on that mountain. WISL official items make perfect gifts, or they're a great way for you to make a personal statement. Locally produced and sold only in the WISL store at WISL1040.com. A free solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us again here on WYSL until 2 p.m. Plus the online streaming channels too. Talking about the, uh, the new video that's come out out of the Uvalde shooting down in Texas at the elementary school where there are 400 cops unable to... Uh, Get a handle on the situation. Uh, it sounds like we have a caller in line. Keith, welcome back to A Free Solution. And, Keith, you're uh, on. Without bragging, I tend to be uh, analytical the way I approach life. Has anyone thought how this uh, 22-year-old young man, certainly compared to me, uh, going to be 67 later this year, was able to take upon himself what 391 officers in that Texas incident, that was the exact number they gave in the report, what about this young man that made him so stellar? I'm saying out loud, he should be given the highest civilian award uh, by Congress. Uh, people, a few people might say, well, you took the law in your own hands. Did you have to kill the bad guy in the mall like that? This 22-year-old man, young man, did what 400 professional officers could not do. And I would say to... Uh, uh, those officers, if you all would listen to me for a moment, my maternal grandfather was 34 years, a policeman, not a cop, a police officer, 
Cleveland PD. He retired in 1955, three years before that. An officer that he personally knew was killed in the line of duty. The date was May 12, 1952. You can look it up, Cleveland PD website, May 12, 1952. And very coincidentally, like right now, it was a Monday afternoon, and his wife said after his death that he had said a couple weeks earlier that he might have had a premonition that his life was going to end soon. So I would say to those 400 officers in Texas who refused to go in and put their lives on the line, even in a more peaceful year to say it like 1952, our precious law enforcement people were being murdered in the line of duty. My grandfather actually knew this murdered officer again, May 12th, 1952. I wish I could remember his name. Uh, I should remember, but over the years I've forgotten. That's uh, the problem. We always forget the victim's names. But in closing, I would ask everyone to think of this 22-year-old young man who did very well and would ask those 400 officers to remember uh, everyone looks at life from their own perspective. That officer in Cleveland who was murdered in 1952, the point being in closing, if you're in law enforcement, you must protect and serve. When you put on the, the uniform, wear the badge, you go in and it's the other person's life first. When you sign up, pointedly be in law enforcement, if you have to lay down your life, then I guess that's what you're called upon to do. But this young man, only 22, the whole country should acknowledge him as the true hero that he is. And I wish those 391 officers, my God, in Texas, the Lone Star, what's happening down in Texas? We're, we're, yeah. I mean, the Ranger mentality, the Texas Ranger mentality, there were Rangers there uh, too, but um, they must not be the good Texas Rangers of yore. Uh, old-time rangers would have gone busting in there and got that killer. So, oh, my God, what is happening to our country if it's reflecting, of all places, Texas? Let's remember this 22-year-old man today. He is an absolute hero, and hopefully the country acknowledges him. Yeah. No, absolutely. Now, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's, you know, what what I wanted to talk about next. Uh, so thank you, Keith. And, uh, you know, the the – the incident that that Keith is referring to is the uh, the the 22 year old who was in a mall is a Greenwood Park Mall in Indiana uh, over the weekend, and uh, a guy had entered the food court, started opening fire there. Uh, he had had a rifle. He killed three people uh, and injured two more. And the thing that stopped this dude was uh, was a, a I said 22 year old, um, and he. Hat was carrying, and he uh, he took out the gunman. That's 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 what it was, uh, and is is one of those situations where a bad guy with a gun was stopped much much quicker by a good guy with a gun before the police could even really know what was happening. There's no way they could respond that quick. You know, it's it's a it's a situation that takes you know at least several minutes for police officers to get there, and then you, you don't know again. Are you are you getting the the police officers that that Keith were talking about who are putting their lives on the line, and there are many of them out there too. They're the ones who you know are willing to do whatever it takes to protect the people that they are charged with protecting. Or are you getting the ones like the ones out in Texas? But this this guy, he had a uh, he was carrying, and, and I got I know there's, there's some uh, murkiness too whether or not he was even uh, 
supposed to be carrying in that location. Um, but but he was legally carrying a firearm in every other respect. Um, and by by him not being able to do it, I mean like the mall was not really permitting you know people to carry in there. But other than that, he was legally carrying a firearm in there, and he stopped the shooter almost instantly. Again, there's a bunch of incidents that happen with this. A lot of times these don't get covered by the mainstream media. You know, that's it, for, for it's one of those things where it doesn't quite fit into the narrative that a lot of the, the national media and progressive media want to do that, that they want to say like, well, guns are the problem. You know, if we, if we got rid of all the guns, stuff like this wouldn't happen, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they don't look at the situation where, okay, here, here's a, a good guy who's able to stop a bad guy. Uh, who could have harmed a whole bunch of other people. And if that man wasn't legally allowed to carry, might have not been doing it that day, would that have stopped that other criminal from being able to get their gun in the first place? I don't know. Again, maybe, maybe not. Would the, would the, would the gun control laws prevent all the bad people from getting guns? Almost certainly not. It just prevents people from being able to carry their guns legally. It stops you legally from being able to exercise that right to self-defense to be able to have something that can immediately stop a bad guy. Um, and if we are just relying on the framework of like the, the state is the only, are the only people who are allowed to exercise that responsibility of every once in a while needing to use violence to stop a bad person you might be in trouble if the state is unreliable or staffed by unreliable folks like the, the police in Uvalde, Texas. If the only people with guns legally are police officers, there's no other means for private citizens, civilians, other presidents to be able to defend themselves and to defend others like this 22-year-old in Indiana did. All, again, when you impose gun control... Y'all know this. When you impose gun control, you don't eliminate guns. You just give them to a smaller group of people. Instead of all of us having access to that means of self-defense, only two groups have it. Now, those are police officers and, well, of course, the military too, officers of the state, um, and criminals. There's the only two groups who end up with guns. It just means the rest of us aren't able to access that means of self-defense and defense of others on our own. And we talked last week, too, about some of the other issues and legal challenge, uh, situations related to exercising that right of self-defense. We talked about the bodega video, too. But in this situation, hopefully what ends up happening, and unfortunately this isn't always the case, but what hopefully ends up happening is that we recognize this 22-year-old as a hero. There's no legal liability associated with what he did. And we can use this as a moment to learn that it is something that more people ought to do. And again, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't carry, I don't, I, and I have my reasons for, for not doing it. And some of those reasons, you know, maybe, maybe I should take more responsibility for my own self-defense and the self-defense of my community. But it is legally fraught in New York, and I know it. And the more legally fraught you make, the fewer people will exercise that responsibility and that right. But here's a situation where we can learn where a violent incident that could have resulted in who knows how many other people dying being resolved instantly. Again, and, and the, these, are, these are situations where seconds count. 
where someone after being shot to needs to get medical attention right away. If they weren't able to do that instantly, if they weren't able to stop that killer, if that 22-year-old wasn't able to stop that killer right away, how many other people could have died because of this? And stuff like this does happen frequently. We talked about another situation in West Virginia that happened a couple months ago. Similar thing. Someone took a rifle with the intent to harm a group of people, and a good person with a gun was able to stop them very quickly. Far more quickly than, than even the, the, the police officers in the most optimistic situation could have done. Again, this, this is assuming that they could respond quick, do everything right, and were, were able to stop a bad situation quickly. You still got to get there. You still got to get there, assess the situation, know what's actually going on, and then act appropriately once you, once you arrive. All that takes time. Time that the people who are victims of a would-be killer or a killer don't have. So having someone who's able to respond right away is incredibly important. Thanks again for joining us here on Free Solution. When we come back, I'm going to talk about one other situation that happened uh, recently in Denver to, 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 to kind of overcome one of the arguments about the good guy with the gun stopping the bad guy with the gun. So thanks again for joining us. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. A free solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wells, your host today. Thanks again for joining us. We're live here on WYSL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We're also streaming online, too, on the Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, the Free Solution group, the Kevin Wilson page, and the Kevin Wilson Twitter account. Wherever you're listening today, appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate y'all joining the show. Of course, uh, again, leave your comments online, too, if you want to participate. So... We, we've been talking about what happens in in Texas. We talked about what happened in uh, Indiana. Um, you know, again, some of that footage coming out just just awful and infuriating. And you watch it, and you're like, "Man, you just go go and fix this problem. You you need to you need to save those kids." And yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, kind of on that related note, again, we're, we're talking about what happened in Indiana. You know, with a a 22-year-old who was able to stop what could have been a, a far more serious mass shooting incident. Fortunately, three people did still die, and two people were, were injured by a man with a rifle trying to uh, shoot folks at a mall. And that situation was able to be resolved quickly, again, thanks to someone who was carrying legally there. And again, th- this is – incidents like this completely undermine – situations like what uh you know Kathy Hochul is trying to build for the the new draconian restrictions on you know legal concealed carry in New York state because this is this is an outcome that does happen on occasion and on that same note too the 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 folks who are committing crimes with handguns very rarely are not it's usually not legal handguns that where this is happening it's not People who are going through that entire process to be able to pass the background checks and meet what could be objective criteria for 
being able to carry out in public is is not those folks who are going out and committing crimes. It's folks who are getting guns illegally. Get this: the the crackdown from New York State on on legal gun owners does nothing to keep any of us safer. And and one of the arguments that progressives make against this is they say. The, the good guy with the gun thing doesn't really happen. What could happen is that you have uh, inexperienced folks who are caring in public who think they're going to be the hero and stop a bad guy with a gun but end up injuring others in the process, right? Which is a legitimate fear, which is why I said, you know, not only from a legal liability perspective but also from the perspective of you could injure someone else if you don't think critically and intelligently in a life or death situation where you – uh, could use um, any weapon to to stop a bad guy with a gun. You got to know, you know, not only was your target, what is behind it. Uh, are you confident that you could hit that target without injuring someone else behind that person with a gun? And knowing all that, you need to make that decision in a split second. And anyone who is carrying a firearm needs to be able to do that, right? Uh, police officers and, and anyone else exercise that responsibility. And that's something that if you're going to do that, well, I had mentioned, like, I know that I wouldn't put in the time to train, uh, which is uh, which is what you would need to do to be able to exercise that right responsibly. You just need to be careful when you're doing that because it, it, it can happen. It can. It, unfortunately, there are cases where it happens where, Someone thinks they're doing the right thing, and they they try to stop a bad guy with a the gun. They injure someone else on accident, someone who wasn't their intended target. Now, all that being said, that is not a situation exclusive to people who are civilians uh, uh, exercising the the right to bear arms and the and and conceal carry or carrying um, in public. It also happens with police officers too, folks who are. In theory, is supposed to be training and thinking about these situations all the time. Uh, out in Denver, there's a story recently of uh, a couple of police officers injuring five people while shooting a man who is allegedly pointing a gun at police officers. Guy who was getting in the fight, he he looked like he was grabbing at his waistband. Supposedly, they found a gun in the area afterwards, but in the process of stopping that person, five people were injured and it looks like five people were injured and, and I'm, I'm glad they wrote the headline this way the denver it, this is from uh, the denver post and i'll share the link it says denver denver police injure five bystanders in lodo while shooting man who allegedly pointed gun at officers right again what why i say why i like this headline and i appreciate them for doing this is that so often what happens with these headlines and like you can see it in the uh the like official police statements around this incident is they, they phrased it in passive voice. They phrased it in, you know, five people injured in downtown shooting. Okay. Where, where did it come from? Like who injured whom? And if you saw five injured, you would assume that the, the person who was, you know, allegedly pointing a gun at officers was the one who injured five people in that process. But no, what actually happened is that it looks like the police officers injured five people could have killed Several of them luckily didn't, but injured five people in that process. And again, the, the, the point of this isn't, isn't merely to just you know, uh, beat up on, on, on police. That, that isn't really the point of this. The point of this is that these types of things do require constant vigilance and training, and police officers are still human. And if they get lax in that training, that vigilance, that 
situational awareness of, again, what is your target? What is behind the target? Are you certain that you can hit that person without there being other consequences for that? And again, in a split-second life or death situation, they're not immune from that either. So this is something that could exist with with anyone. And again, if you have that right of private citizens to exercise that right of self-defense and the defense of others, again, like what we saw in Indiana, if you're exercising that right responsibly, which is something I don't think that the state should force you to do necessarily, but you should do, you should want to do that, that, that owning and potentially using a weapon requires a level of responsibility for anyone who wants to exercise that right properly. And that's my personal opinion on this, but that doesn't mean that the state should restrict you unless you take a ridiculous amount of courses or something. It's just something you should do. We have situations where private people could save lives. And that when we give this extra responsibility to police, this, this when we lift, you know, put them up on a pedestal of being, you know, perfect saviors of folks that they're not again again this isn't a a way of of disrespecting police officers this is a way of saying like they they, these are humans doing this thing too and that we as private citizens ought to have rights to self-defense that exist outside of relying on the state to do this because the state is not consistently reliable across all the, the the means of coming to your aid when violence needs to be met with violence and that's what we saw in Uvalde, Texas. That's what we saw in uh, Indiana, where again, the private citizen was able to intervene and save lives. And there, there should be that extra responsibility too. Again, not, some police officers do, unfortunately, like act irresponsibly with the power and the responsibility that we've given them. We, I, I kind of see that with the RPD investigator situation in Rochester, where a uh, an RPD investigator tried to. Uh, harass and ask for ID from an EMT who was trying to get her patient admitted and strong. It was the, 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 I guess the, the ambulance had pulled into the ambulance bay, and there's a police off, uh, police uh, car there, too, with the investigators driving, and the ambulance, um, the woman getting out of the ambulance uh, had, had hit the car. And this, this investigator, you know, you can see it on video, and I'll share a link to it, too. He just got mad, asked for ID, and she's like, no, I got to do this job first, and then took her out. Like what, like what? What the heck? Like why are? I don't know, that that one makes me mad too. Why? Why are? Why are folks like that? Again, it does require an extra responsibility. Uh, and when we give that power to folks, if it's not able to be used in a responsible way, if that power gets abused constantly and there aren't means of accountability, you're going to have bigger problems. So you can distribute that force of protection among private citizens, that's the way it is and ought to be in a free society that has liberty. Or, again, you can hand all of your power over to the state, hope the state protects you, hope that when you use your right to self-defense that they won't come after you themselves, too, like we saw in the bodega incident down near a city where a man was being attacked and used a knife he found to defend himself. we got to hope that that situation doesn't happen, too. No, we, we, we cannot, we must not cede all of our responsibility for defense to the state. It has disastrous consequences. And if we want a free society, if we want a society that is safer, it requires the distribution of that defense. Anyway, so that's 
that's all I got on that stuff. Um, again, if if you want to call and win on this anymore, give us a call five eight five three four six three thousand. That's five eight five three four six three thousand. Of course, I, I'm sure we could go on about this. I'm going to switch topics for the last segment unless someone calls in. Again, five eight five three four six three thousand. Otherwise, I'm going to switch topics. Thanks again for joining us here on a free solution. We'll be back in just a few. WISL store is now open with nicer weather. Your car needs an official Voice of Liberty bumper sticker. There's a great selection to help you show your love of God, the Constitution, and free and safe schools. Here are just a few available. Shut up, Fauci. Kathy Holcomb. Save America. Support the Second Amendment. Scam alert January 6th. God, please help us. Close the Mexican border. Save America. Stop voting for Democrats. And there are gas pump stickers reading, Democrats did this. These are standard weather-resistant bumper stickers Guaranteed to get you horn honks and thumbs up in traffic. Choose from other locally made WISL Voice of Liberty merch too, like tees, hoodies, drinkware, and more. Perfect gifts for any Liberty lover. Check out the exclusive WISL Mount Worstmore shirts, hoodies, and coffee mugs depicting our four worst presidents. Guess who's front and center? Shop the WISL store at WISL1040.com. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals but don't take my word for it they've won the best in rochester eight years in a row and have an a plus better business bureau rating if your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals give the professionals at simple tech innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182 that's 585-200-3182 simple tech innovations Hey, this is Kevin Wilson, host of A Free Solution. You ever need a tool for just one project, but didn't want to spend the cash for something you'd use just once or twice? Well, there's a new tool library in Rochester where you can borrow just the thing you need instead of buying a new one. It's called the Tool Shed from the Southeast Area Coalition, and membership starts at just $25 a year. Use it for home projects or to support your business. Learn more and become a member at seektoolshed.org. That's S-E-A-C toolshed.org. A free solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us here on this wonderful, wonderful Monday. We're live here on WYSL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show. Again, 585-346-3000 or comment online too. Always happy to get those comments as well. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You know, we've been talking about uh, you know, police self-defense issues, the volley stuff, the, the the situation out in Indiana with uh, the the guy who stopped a, a you know, would-be mass killer out there before he could kill any more people than, than that person already did. I'm going to switch gears a little bit, talk about some New York State politics stuff because I feel like the story isn't getting as much coverage as it ought to and that it's... It looks like 
the Republican nominee for governor, Lee Zeldin, is going to lose one of his ballot lines. He's, uh, he's going to lose the Independence Party line. Now, some, back, uh, some context to this, right? The Independence Party uh, lost their ballot access a couple years ago, just like the Libertarians, the Greens, um, and, and others. So instead of only having to collect, you know, a certain number of signatures uh, kind of proportional to the number of enrolled voters in that area or enrolled voters on the state. The the Independence Party, like the Libertarian Party, had to collect 45,000 valid voter signatures to get on the ballot. So they had to do that just, just like everyone else. Um, and Lee Zeldin was trying to get this line uh, and... They submitted 52,000 signatures, but the Libertarian Party challenged that submission. And uh, so uh, Andrew Colsey, who's the secretary of the Libertarian Party, had uh, cha- uh, submitted a- an objection to that and and objected saying that there were over 11,000 fraudulent signatures and uh, accused them of of having nine hundred copied sheets. So so essentially, what he accused them of uh, and, and objected to is that they just made a bunch of photocopies of valid signatures, and then there's some signatures that just weren't real, but made a whole bunch of photocopies so that that was what put them over the top to get to the over forty five thousand signatures needed to get that ballot line again. Keep in mind that it didn't used to be this high. It used to only be 15,000 signatures to get an independent ballot line in New York State. And by independent, I don't mean independence party. I mean any anyone that is not an established party in New York State. So, again, currently Libertarians, Greens, Independents, um, Ford Party didn't make an attempt at it. Uh, the Unite Party didn't. I, I don't know if they end up even doing anything with this, but they would have needed to do that to get on the line. 45,000 to get on now. Huge barrier. Uh, something that uh, just just a quite a nice gift that, that Andrew Cuomo gave us, uh, a way of corruptly trying to go after the Working Families Party and other third parties. Um, I don't have any particular love for the WFP, but I think they were the main target of his ire in this. And... Now we see the consequence. Again, the, the the main two parties doing this, mostly Andrew Cuomo, but the main two parties kind of endorsing this way of keeping independent challengers off the ballot. And, yeah, and, and I'll read this comment from Tim on Facebook, too. Good old buddy Tim O'Connor says, Shout out to Chris, uh, Chris Olensky, Andrew Martin Colsty, and Diane Sayre, who is uh, who's running for Senate down there, who, who had done the work of like going and looking at these petitions to discover that there's something a bit odd about them. Now, again, what happened? The objection happened just because an objection happened doesn't mean it's kicked off their, their, you know, their line is rejected. Uh, So, you know, the process, it goes before the state board of elections, state before board of elections determined that uh, they couldn't overcome the objection that the, that Andrew Colsey had submitted and, removed him from the line now it's still going to court the court could overturn it and say 
oh, actually, we think these signatures are valid or whatever, right? Like whatever the reasoning ends up being. Um, and, you know, there's still court cases, too, about the Libertarian Party ballot line, too, because there's a bunch of stuff going on with that. You can follow Larry's uh, Larry Sharp if you want more info on that. And I'm sure he's going to talk about this issue tomorrow, too, um, in, in much more detail than I am. But I want to make sure I hit it, too, uh, just because, again, this is – this is a challenge to like the the, the third party lines that, that really go and support um, the Republican and Democrat candidates. It is it is tough for true independent voices to get out there, and they they try to cheat the system again. I don't know that Lee Zeldin or a senior team actually knew about this. They might not have. They legitimately might not have known that this was happening. But if someone is doing work on your behalf, you know it's it's a it's a a buck stops here type of thing, right? Like. To make excuses, ah, you know, there's the petitioners are busy, you know, this is tough, everyone's, you know, volunteer, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Buck stops here. It's, you got to take responsibility for people, you know, doing stuff on your path a bit too. And you have to, um, yeah, you have to, to own up to it. And again, and, and, at the, and in this case, all he does is lose what would have been a vanity line anyway. This isn't actually getting someone new on the ballots. This isn't him not being on the ballot at all. And I don't know that there's going to be any other consequences for this, particularly for the you know the candidate or anyone else, other than, um, other than just losing an extra ballot. He's still going to have the Republican line, still going to have the conservative line, but for the other folks, again, Greens, Libertarians, anyone else trying to get an independent ballot line, these barriers create an actual issue to offering new voice. As of right now, until. And, and if the courts resolve the situation, the only people whose names will actually appear on your ballot are a Republican and Democrat candidate this November. That's it. It's the only choice that they want. No, you can still write in, folks. That's what I'm going to end up doing. You can still write in, folks. I'm going to write in Larry's name if, if for some reason the, the the courts don't let him get on the ballot. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so and, – and, Tim O'Connor says, chances of not winning remain the same. Tim Tim is skeptical that a Republican candidate can win statewide in New York. And and I I also agree. I know I know some folks I know some folks don't like that. I'm skeptical that a Republican candidate is gonna win this year. I've seen slash been in races where everyone tells me, Oh, the Republicans have got a great chance they're gonna do and but what ends up happening is they get, you know, poll results in the thirties. It's uh Unfortunately, the the truth um, with the way voters tend to vote in New York State. Now, things could change. I know. I know things could change. Maybe this is the year. But, but really, I would like to see more independent voices in politics, more opportunities for people to be able to express themselves that don't fit into one of those two boxes. Because there's things I like about Lee Zeldin. And you know, I'll, I'll have to see if he'll come on the show one time. There are things I like. There are things I don't like. Uh, I would appreciate another candidate who represents my voice a bit better. Someone like Larry Sharp is 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 someone who comes far closer to what I'd hope to see policy wise in New York State than either the Republican candidate or the incumbent candidate Kathy Hochul. And the more and more. We uh, travel down this path of making it nearly impossible for independent voices, the less accountable the main two parties can be. Because you know, as as folks like Larry talk about, like 
independent voices, the, the ability to be able to challenge outside of that system keeps those two parties accountable. If they get in a rut, if they get into a position of not having to worry about getting the support outside of uh, their own small party base and they're able to continue wearing, winning elections with districts that are often built for them to win, <laughs> districts that are they're distributed appropriately for them to be able to be secure and after you get the party nomination, you're set, you're done, that complacency that can happen – that stagnation that can happen is bad for the party. It's bad for the state. It leads to policy outcomes that don't get people to focus on actual solutions. They, they, they increase the tribalism by not allowing that independent voting block that wants to exist outside the two-party system to have legitimate voices and to want to attract those folks to your side. My my theory on why third parties are good. Again, no surprise. I've been a libertarian. I've ran as a libertarian candidate before. Yeah, it's a big surprise. I think third parties are a good thing. But but seriously, think about it. You don't have that outlet. Is our republic healthy? All right. Thanks again for joining us here on a free solution. Tomorrow, Barry Sharp should be on. Thanks again for joining us. Have a wonderful week, folks. <laughs>